Hi, welcome to Interviews Podcast. I am passionate about business. I used to run businesses for others before launching my own. And I have always asked myself one key question. What is the secret recipe to properly structure and successfully run a business? So I am on a quest to find out through insightful conversations with entrepreneurs all around the world. Follow me on my journey to crack the entrepreneurship code. Hi, this is interviews number eight. Today I am with Chris Bryce, co-founder and CEO of DotFusion Digital, which operates in Canada and Cambodia. Hey, Chris, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Nice to see you. I've been following your adventures as well, so glad to be connected and sharing some ideas. Thank you. So, as a starter, please tell us a little bit about your business and a little bit about yourself, too. Sure. Um, well, I'm, uh, I was born in Toronto, Canada. Um, I left home a little bit on the early side and headed down to California, where um, I spent 20 years from my you know, kind of teens to early 30s. Um, and uh, basically really resonate where technology uh, and art come together. Mm -hmm. like a nice combination of um, creating experiences with fairly complex technology solutions. Um, the business itself is called Dot Fusion, mm -hmm. and we're uh, a design and development company. We kind of straddle the, juxt the juxtaposedness, I guess, of of really beautiful aesthetic experiences and ultra precision backend implementations. Mm -hmm. uh, so we build really beautiful websites, typically on enterprise platforms like Adobe's Experience Manager or Agility. We're partners with Salesforce, so we understand marketing clouds and how to integrate all of the operational business systems into beautiful digital experiences, I guess. It's a good way to say it. And we've been doing this for, I guess, just over 23 years now. 23 and years. So you, you've yeah, been an entrepreneur for 23 years. That is all I know. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> okay. so far, so good. Okay. And yeah. when, when, when did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Um, I was lucky to be born into a family of, of entrepreneurs. Uh, my mother is a pattern maker and a clothing designer and had always run her own business. And my father has a business of his own. Uh, so do my brother. So it's just kind of, uh, I guess it was part of the scene that was going on when I was a younger person. Um, mm -hmm. I also didn't have an affinity for following a typical educational path. Okay. Uh, I had a really keen interest in uh, fancy restaurants as a teenager, uh, <laughs> and looking it, looking back, it kind of solved for that um, solution of having art and science come together. Where in a restaurant you have the aesthetic theater and the presentation in the on the in the dining room, but the systems and operations in the kitchen and and running the business. So. I like to be in situations where there's a little bit of stress um, mm. and also this idea of working with teams that are creative and, and logical all at once. Um, but the idea of being an entrepreneur is just something that is I have in my blood and I enjoy the ebbs and flows of the experiences of being kind of out on your own and, and relying on friends, family and developing really 
wonderful relationships with clients and other partners mm. too. And mm. it's a great community to be in around the world. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, I guess just all I know. You mentioned something about creating good relationship with clients. Mm -hmm. uh, how important has, it, has this been for you in building your business? Uh, super important. And, and we have uh, an ethos uh, within our shop and it's one of our kind of uh, not publicly stated values, but mm. um, you know, our whole thing is about building, building beautiful digital solutions with friends. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we hire against that. We pick clients against that. Um, so our whole spirit is to have a really good time building fairly complicated long projects and there's the risk of fatigue when you're delivering a, you know an eight month web project and and we really try our best and build methodologies around this idea of friendship mm. and joy yes um as part of you know work life because we're we we work a lot but um we need to you know make sure that everyone's having a great experience working together so i think just to get back to your specific point we've been in business for, you know, over 20 years and we've had our key clients for, you know, 10 to 15 years. And a lot of it has to do with treating everyone like friends and friends go through things where they don't yeah. agree and you're able to be vulnerable and open and honest. And, yes. and that seems to be the way to roll out there. Well, I can, I can totally relate, relate to that because, you know, I, I opened my business like two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And immediately I made the decision that I would want, I would work with the people I want to work with. You know, mm -hmm. I, I made, I made a, a very clear profile of the clients I would like to work with. And so far I've been very lucky in, you know, finding those people. Mm -hmm. So what I can see is it gives me such a freedom to be able to be able to do that. Uh, but at the same time, I can build very strong relationships with my with with these clients. The flip side of that, I would say, and because this is I, I am at the beginning, uh, is that you know in terms in terms of revenue, I can see that it's going to take it's going to take a bit more time building building my business uh, because the clients I have we start we start small together, but we we, we grow together. Is it kind of the same experience that you had? Um, yeah, it really is. And, and when you're, you're just starting out and frankly forever, um, you have kind of moments of truth where you can assess an opportunity in that you might need to solve for needing some revenue. Mm. Um, and that alters your decisions on, you know, possibly straying outside of your kind of core profile of client. Um, and some, sometimes you may need to do that. Um, well, you're kind of um, uh, reinforcing your ideals of finding, you know, your perfect client. And I think that there's some growth opportunities and learning in all of that, where you are defining who you want to work with and what kind of behaviors are appropriate for you and the kind of communications you want with clients. So, um, yeah, um, I just think it's really important to to be able to be flexible because you need your business to grow and you need to build financial foundations, but also the foundations that are built on your values as well. And mm -hmm. ideally those work together. Mm -hmm. And what do you think have been the key elements of being able to work with clients for 10 or 15 years? Transparency, okay. education, uh, treating them as friends, mm. uh, really bringing them into the fold and doing our best to explain what we do, how we do it. and 
and quite often explaining that the decisions we're making aren't necessarily the only correct way to go about building something or creating something. Um, so we spend time validating and backing up our, our process and our, our rationale. Um, but we're really open to input as well. So mm -hmm. uh, collaboration is key where we yeah. have our experience to bring to the table, but we're always open. And I think an, an open mind is important um, and staying kind of down to earth about things because no mm -hmm. one really knows much about anything in the entire expanse of the world. So we have our niche of, of ex experience and knowledge, but um, there's always something new to discover and often our clients are are bringing that to us so that's been a nice way to experience relationships okay and as as i mentioned at the, at the beginning uh you have offices in canada and cambodia and do you see do you see any differences between the two countries when it comes to your relationship with your clients for sure for sure so in in canada there is much more of a narrow and anticipated model for interaction, mm -hmm. um, which might also be summarized by there's a, you know, a social contract around professionalism, I would say, where, okay. you know, we're kind of operating in a fairly narrow boundary and there's a, a respect and a demeanor and a way to go about things that that's understood by both sides. Our experience in Cambodia, and this is just my opinion, but as a developing country, with businesses that are developing in um, understanding how to build digital products and the members of those teams are maturing in their kind of experience in, in, in building digital products. There's a little bit more variance um, and an additional requirement for um, really under, understanding culture and hierarchies within client teams mm -hmm. and really making sure that you're empowering the entire team on the client side to be confident in the decisions they're mm -hmm. making. Um, being really careful to um, really support the folks on the client side and, and make sure that you're, you're almost proactively um, helping them navigate things that can go wrong because one of the defining differences between Cambodia and Canada is um, there's a, a culture of, you know, always kind of doing everything right and not making mistakes. Mm, and while we yeah. encourage making mistakes in Canada, um, that's still a little bit of a new thing over there. So we, we really go out of our way to buffer our clients um, and, and we own the decision. So they, they kind of feel confident in making a decision about something they don't know how to make the decision about. Yes. So yes. We, we think that we're responsible for education and empowerment. I'm sure you had some difficulties with, with, with some of your clients, right? That you, you made mistakes and how, how, have you, how have you dealt with such situations and, where, and managed to keep them as clients and keep them, keep them satisfied, basically? M mistakes need to be defined, I mm -hmm. guess, to identify exactly... Um, what we're talking about. So things that we've done that are mistakes is um, we've uh, overpromised, mm. uh, which is easy to do when, you know, when your sales team is, is stronger than the requirements gathering team, which is yeah. stronger than the, you know, the kind of 
the dev team that's trying to produce, you know, based on, you know, an, an exceedingly optimistic set of goals. So I think if I was to look back over our history, there's two key mistakes that we've made and ideally learned from. It's over promising on requirements um, and it's uh, making poor partner choices mm. that are covering some of the technology that we need to build that isn't in our in-house capabilities. So if we have a, a special assignment and we're reaching out to a third party, um, you know, we've chosen some partners that were not ideal um, and you know, caused us some unnecessary grief. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's some great stories and anecdotes, but the way we've got out of those situations and continue to be servicing our clients has been very honest at the first sign that things are going off. Um, and then we own the gap in what we promise. So one of our core values is never letting anyone down. Mm. And if we've overpromised and underdelivered, then then we own bringing it back up to the the level of expectation we set in the first place. So I think it's just being a good human mm. is the common sense part of all of that, um, and just owning what you know what you say. And then I guess also communicate what's yeah, you know with your, sure. with your client. Yes, that's that's yeah. often a very important aspect that we forget. Yeah. <laughs> especially in technology, like no one knows really like a, a lot about um, the full suite of things that need to be taken care of. And there's so many different ways of accomplishing the same thing. So we just need to be really clear on on what we're going to deliver and always try to add a little sparkle around the edges mm -hmm. and deliver a bit more than expected. Okay. And looking, looking at your entrepreneurship journey, what, what has been the most difficult? The most difficult, there's two things, scaling up okay. and um, defining revenue streams while keeping the, our unique culture alive. Mm -hmm. So the biggest challenge is how do you scale and being clear on why and keeping the team aligned. So as you grow from like tiny team to not so tiny team, new systems and processes come in place, autonomy changes a little bit, um, new people with new ways of doing things come into the fold and, and it's making those adjustments while keeping the overall harmony and vibe clear and alive. And that, that's just something that, takes time, um, luck, um, patience. So yeah, th those are the tricky bits. Well, that's, that's interesting because I am interested for myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> but how did you, how did you manage to, uh, to, to scale up? Yeah. So, I mean, we're still in that process. Sure. And I think uh, from, from our perspective, the, the key decision is to uh, commit to building our own digital products as well as building things for other folks. So okay. we have a mandate now where every quarter um, we're building our own products. Um, we've also, we're, I think we're right around the corner from uh, having our application for B Corp certification completed, which um, is part of our overall commitment to building technology products for good ideally solving for UN sustainability goals or having some kind of humanitarian impact. So this is really aligned nicely with our commitment to build our own digital products. Mm. So we're basically taking profits from 
large websites that we're building, reinvesting them into our home products that are ideally solving for some kind of global good. Okay. Um, so it's fit in nicely where um, we believe in profit. I think it's a good idea, but doing like thoughtful stuff with those profits and creating sustainable bits of technology, whether it's apps or custom software or collaborations with other organizations that need to, you know, get something done and, and need technology. So growing revenue streams um, and also productizing some services where mm -hmm. uh, one of our verticals is building websites for large shopping centers around the world. And um, we, we got to the point where we're, I think we're on our 40th shopping center or something like that. And we're like, why don't we build like the, the wicks of shopping centers and right. any new shopping center can just pay X amount, hit a button, get a vanilla template, put their own stuff in it. But there's unique components like store directories and mapping and all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to make little products out of what we, what we understand well. So we're able to do things quicker at lower cost. Um, and we can also have less expensive resources working on those things okay. as well. So it's diversifying a little bit. It's a little combination of being more clear on what our strengths are and mm -hmm. then productizing some of the services around that. Okay, in interesting. Yeah. You, you mentioned again something, something that, you know, is very important to me. Uh, you said understand why we, we want to do things when you were talking about scaling up. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. Start, start with why. Yeah. Have you, yeah. have you found your why? What is your purpose? For sure, actually. Um, our purpose is to be building beautiful technology things mm. that result either directly or through the profits from those deliverables to um, make the world a slightly better place in whatever way that means to us. Um, and the way we do that is around this juxtaposition of ultra aesthetic experiences, complicated tech, where that comes mm -hmm. together. So the why that holds us together is, you know, harnessing profits and doing something good with them, and that within the technology space. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess back to this idea of scaling and why it's it's something we talk about frequently here. Like scaling, what does that mean? Do yes. we, is it scale forever? And we want to be a hundred person shop and generating $20 million and have different layers of management and it's a big machine or so we've decided that like we're looking for this um, undefined magical spot where revenues are maximized. The team is um, in an environment where they feel they have their own um, autonomy, but it's within a really, healthy environment um mm -hmm. it's family style but still an operational business because i think you know ideally businesses should be making as much money as they can yeah. without kind of sacrificing the joy of the experience and is that is that what makes you get out of bed every day and go to work because i mean you've been in the business for 23 years you're not tired yeah. uh go through through uh waves of uh like all right what what else is there to do out here mm -hmm. um but i think i think we pick something an, an interesting um industry to be in because there's so much change and i'm really right. good in in 
situations that change. There's an abundance of new ideas. Um, we can continuously create stuff. Yes. Um, and I think maybe over time, what's become um, my solution for solving for curiosity and being interested is shifting from where I was once like participating in building stuff and, you know, overseeing some design and doing a bit of code and that kind of thing. Now the challenge is how do I kind of grow this business to the right size and keep the vibes really good and mm. be a part of a, of a, of a community that's in service to people, communities and, and cultures. And how do we make this little business really groove along the edge of profit and some kind of purpose without sounding kind of cheesy about it, but there's, we were constantly re-evolving our thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of interesting. Okay. Um, and yeah. this, this, this actually brings me to, an, to another point, which is uh, um, a topic that I'm talking with my clients as they scale up, they need to change, you know, their, their, or they need to, not to change. Changing is not the right word, but I would say maybe their role needs to, it needs to evolve. Because they're getting, they're getting bigger, so they need to let go of some of the things, and that may prove to be difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. Have you gone through that, you know, th that process too? Have you, how has your role evolved throughout the year? Yeah, I think um, what comes to mind first is uh, I spend a functional, a functional increase of my time on strategy, I'm mm -hmm. spending my time with um, entrepreneurs who have had experiences that I haven't had yet. Um, I go out of my way to be um, in, involved in different mentor groups and I'm investing in, you know, strategic thinking and learning. And, but at the same time, being really clear that no matter how much uh, you can invest in outside information, I think there's something to be said to, uh, to just know yourself and and what what your thing is, and that um, you know for the for a lot of what's required for for me to grow this thing, I kind of need to draw on myself and believe in mm. in, in the uniqueness of what myself and the gang around me can can bring so there's a fine balance in you know. Uh, kind of being in fear of not having all the latest information and how to be the most strategic and how to hire the best way and use different systems of personality checking to make the most ultimate team and just like just like freestyling it and believing in your ability to that you have a d decent idea and kind yeah. of adjusting on the fly so it's fine balance in there okay and, and what do you spend your most of your time on um well, I guess a combination of business development stuff. Okay. Um, so I'm nurturing a, a, a team here that helps, you know, generate leads and meetings and that kind of stuff. And I work on partnerships with different software and other, other entities that help the business grow, managing key accounts, um, really understanding different verticals so we can kind of expand in different areas, um, mentoring the team, the startup in Cambodia has taken a lot of time. So it's been four years now and I've spent half my time over the last four years in Phnom Penh kind of discovering new language and culture and, mm -hmm. you know, how does that all work? And I guess that's also been a part of what's made 
this to be a continuously interesting entity where we just kind of out of the blue decided that we are going to grow the shop in Phnom Penh and yeah. just did it. But you know, so that's kind of cool. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think my time is spent on really keeping the vibe alive. That's mm -hmm. important too. Right. And, and making sure everyone's happy as best as possible. Keeping the vibes alive. I like it. What are you, yeah. what are you the most proud of? Man, um, we are just about to deliver some really amazing projects mm -hmm. um, that have, you know, put a big burden on the team. Um, everyone's been jamming overtime. We're kind of just about to come out. So, if I, like, most proud about it's um, the gang that's around here um the the team that we have and kind of in in my opinion anyway is is sticking it out for over 20 years and keeping our spirit alive yeah you know it's kind of we we're uh, you know yeah i think that's the the coolest thing i i think we've done a decent job of creating a cool um experience for our clients to have and the the team and myself if you had known everything you know now, what would you have done differently? Particular to our business, mm -hmm. um, I would have started building our own products sooner. Right. Um, because as a, as a traditionally a digital agency or a services organization, we've been chasing projects for 20 years. You know, they, we get a project, we build it and it ends and we have to go get another one. And that's, Really, if I look at the cycle of my life for the last 20 years, my main deliverable to myself is keeping projects coming into the shop. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess if I was to do anything differently, we probably would have been building our own products earlier. But it also is a different kind of business. So we're, we're going to have some growing pains as we kind of shift to kind of half and half. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think that's it. Um, I... Uh, also might have been invested in um, mentoring, uh, coaching and training a bit earlier too. I got really involved in um, mentorship and coaching maybe seven years ago. And I think, you know, maybe five years before that would have been helpful. I was just feeling a little bit out on my own. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been really helpful just to, you know, have peers who have either, you know, who are a little further along the way mm. or having experiences in, in other businesses to collaborate and share ideas and, and uh, kind of self mentor. So I think that's important. And this is music to my ears as a business coach, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was like conscious of saying that with, like, of course I believe in what you're doing, but it, um, that is the truth. And so maybe just on that point, I've, I've had great experience with coaches and also, like entrepreneur organizations. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are really valuable and just ad hoc um, uh, groups of friends that are, are kind of in similar situations to keep the ideas flowing and, mm -hmm. and challenging each other to hold our vibe, but yes. to constantly think a little bit as openly as possible Find about how to go through life running a business. Mm. And, and what is, what is your big dream for your business? Oh man, the most perfect thing, like if, if the world was super, super perfect is we'd have a, a steady stream 
of large enterprise clients that were building and extending web, mobile apps, whatever the digital product solution is for them in the West. Mm -hmm. So it's generating a really nice profit margin because we now have a Cambodian development team that obviously has a, a lower salary rate. So we're able to have a slightly larger profit margin. And to take that profit and split it where half of it is going back into digital products that are like making the world a better place, for lack of better words, and the other half into uh, a training center in Cambodia. So mm -hmm. Cambodian folks can uh, get kind of up their digital skills for free because there's a reinvestment in there. And, you know, a lot of Khmer folks, you know, can't afford to either take time off work for three months to do an intensive boot camp or pay for like world-class training. So that's like the super, super goal where there's this cool flow of profits from the West paying for like cool stuff all over the place. I, I noticed the human aspect is very important for you. You mentioned several times making sure. the world a, a, bigger, a better place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I'm conscious of this fine line of, of um, catching on to a, a, a corporate thing, but it's always been important just to me. Um, but I do think that it's, it's good to be out in the marketplace using this language because it, it can't be a bad thing. Mm. And it's, it's a great idea for folks to be a bit more kind of aware of what's going on, on around. And I think I've had the benefit of travel and experience in, um, in places that, you know, the folks aren't quite as fortunate as, as we are when we, you know, luckily came out in, you know, a country like Canada and have a lot of resources and um, great fallbacks in our system. Um, yeah. So I want to do my part, I guess, because I've got another 40 years, so I might as well do something reasonably impactful. I hope this is inspiring on the people who will listen to it. Yeah. I have two more questions for you. Cool. The first one is, what is the one recommendation you would give to entrepreneurs out there? To, I guess the, if you can visualize this, it's to build a tight framework around the operations of the organization mm -hmm. um, that requires discipline, but to balance that out with really following your kind of cosmic vibe type of thing on the top. And those work really well together and they can. Um, I think there's an opportunity to be kind of distracted with unicorn companies and, mm. and behaviors that, that you see elsewhere and you may lose your own soul in that. Mm. Um, so if you can kind of hold your stuff together, but on the other hand, businesses need to operate as efficiently as possible kind of thing. So there's a balance of structured frameworks underneath and you know the creation of your own way that makes you unique on top of that so i think that's an important that that would be my lesson for other entrepreneur folks who are just starting out to um, you know invest in in mentoring coaching to define those systems and just to believe in yourself nice that's a, that's an yeah. important that's an important aspect, especially as you know entrepreneurs. But I guess I guess it's it's true it's true all along the life of an entrepreneur. I also this may be a bit off topic, but um, over the last three years, I've experienced um, a lot of 
uh, a lot of stuff going on in the startup scene, especially around technology. Mm-hmm. And something that I felt strongly about and have, have brought to life in conversations that I'm having is that um, there's, there seems to be a, a lack of discipline in, in the startup movement where there's, um, at least in my opinion, a lot of cheerleading around the uh, advent of an idea and just go for it. It'll all kind of work out. And I see that in the common threads around like self-help stuff out there and just believe and it'll all happen. And I'm pretty cool with putting good vibes out into the universe, but you also need to have a, a some practicality backing that up. And science is good for that where, you know, there's a market out there and the market needs white space. And if you're going to make a product, you need a need. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it's this combination of, of, of uh, the joy of ideas with the discipline of, is it, is it business? If, if your intent is to run a business, if not just spawn ideas all day long, but I have seen, you know, some startups kind of be a little bit overly enthusiastic without just simply going through a bit of a, a vetting framework that might've saved them, two years of their lives and there's nothing wrong with like trying things and making mistakes but it's also good to be able to be a bit self-critical um mm-hmm. and see things clearly mm-hmm. if possible whatever that means but it's a good intent all right excellent so yeah. last question then what books would you recommend well i would say like a combination of like business books maybe some stuff on like consciousness and the universe um i i think uh you know some adventure books i would say if you if you're in business like read some amazing adventure travel like science fiction take your mind somewhere else you get so much information about you know how to hire and you know growth traction Mm -hmm. grip scaling up rockefeller habits like okay okay that's kind of cool but don't forget the just living and dreaming and that's really important too so um there's enough business books out there for everyone i would get into some alan watts and some philosophy and Mm -hmm. and and wisdom from the old guys that have been thinking about things for a long time and and getting some fundamentals and some maybe even deep dives into history and you know and just having a bit more well-rounded knowledge than the micro bites that are so readily available mm-hmm. um so i think just like reading a book is a great place to start whatever <laughs> it is <laughs> you know find your own thing i kind of you know i don't know i yeah that may not have been the answer you're looking for but that's how <laughs> it's 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 okay thank you thank you very much Chris, I can see you're very passionate about, about business in general and making yeah. the world a better place. Cool, uh, man. Thank you guys for listening and uh, see you next time. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you very much.